We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So I think you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. <laughs> Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the fabulous Value Add with K&K. We're back. We're here. Did you forget the name? No. I just want you to look at me. <laughs> you go, what are you doing? Well, your intros are always very interesting. They're amazing. <laughs> just like this topic, folks. It's amazing. Monty loves it. That's a little Ace Ventura in there or something. I feel good. <laughs> Drinking a lot of water today. Not going to lie, I've also peed a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> so today, uh, Crystal and I always talk about topics and what I like to base topics off of. I like to come up with a lot of topics. I think Crystal likes it too. But um, is I from the conversations that I have daily, and I do talk a lot on the phone, and I know Crystal does. And so I just get a landscape of, well, if I'm talking to a lot of people, and I know we talked to a lot of real estate investors, that there might be a lot of other people out there, whether you have clients and stuff, that are looking to get into the real estate investing game. So one of the things I want to talk about, Crystal, is I'm going to throw a couple topics that we're going to go through, and then we'll circle back and start with one. Um, basically, we always say is have like some type of game plan for real estate investing. That doesn't mean it's not going to change. But always, we always say, like, if you have a why with what you're going to do with your money when you work and you know what you're going to do with it, it's a lot easier than if you don't, you'll end up just spending it, as you and I know. Yes. I, uh, I like to say, too, with that plan is that it's sort of – I always use this analogy – but it's kind of like when you're going to go build your house and you're working with the architect and you're laying everything out where you want everything to be. Um, but Sorry, it's our dog. <laughs> Any office. And then you think – so you think you know what you want when you're looking at the blueprints. And then you're in there as they're building it and you're like, wait, that doesn't really make any sense. we got to move that over here. But at least you started with a plan and you can kind of sort of follow your plan and make pivots a lot easier along the way. If you start with a plan, it's much easier to pivot when you need to. Yeah. So here's a couple things that we want to discuss. Um, number one, why are you buying is one of my favorite questions. Um, what is your goal? Just, you know, real estate is a long-term, like, kind of play. It doesn't mean short-term you can't make money, but that's how you have to really think about it. Um, another thing we wrote down is buying is always, a, is always good, selling not so much. And then what are the big guys doing? Just kind of things like that. And then where do we think the opportunities will be? So, Crystal, let's talk about um, why are you buying? And I think people would, if they can't answer that, I think that's a problem because you shouldn't have it and know that answer, don't you? Yeah, and I think the, the reason can be different for a lot of people. Um, one thing I will say that I, uh, or that I hear from a lot of real estate investors, though, is that even if this isn't your full-time job, like you're not going to be a real estate investor full-time, it is the best way to guarantee your retirement. Um, that is one thing I think that, you know, nowadays, it used to be when we were young, like I remember I took um, a class that kind of taught us like financial responsibility. So we kind of like learned how to balance a checkbook and learned about if you, oh, you know, cool. contribute X amount of dollars to your 401k every month by the time you you're ready to retire you'll have a million dollars one million dollars yeah. so nowadays you know the hard part is is that when you go to retire 
50 years from then that a million dollars is really 50, yeah. okay 40 years 30 years for me hopefully five years i don't know but um that being said like you can't really retire and live a good life off of a million dollars well, and that you might could, sound but not where we live that might sound a little ridiculous but it, it's just a million dollars is not what it used to be no. so um nowadays you kind of have to figure out different ways so if you have contribute if you are that person that contributed to a 401k and you have some retirement you also want to have cash flow so you're not going to have a bunch of money in a bank account when you buy real estate but you will have cash flow that you can rely on so that is one of the reasons why i hear a lot of people buying so it could be that it could be tax write-offs if maybe you make a lot of money maybe you're an attorney or a doctor and you make a ton of cash and you're paying you're sick of paying the government you know every year half of your income that's another reason, but you really do want to know your why so that you can feel connected to it. Yeah. The other thing I'd say too, for some people is the generational wealth is the cool thing is, is if you just passed cash to your kids, yep. there's a really good chance that that cash would just disappear because if they're not financially responsible, um, if they didn't take that wonderful class that Crystal did and then some, they probably just piss it away. And so I think if you pass down like property, which is great, I mean, you could even put something, um, I think I've, we know people that I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure who, but I've heard like in their like will or whatever say, cool. Uh, you can only touch the cash flow. You can only refi rate and term. You cannot do cash out. You cannot sell these properties for this amount of time. So if they were to die today, like until you hit a certain age, you can only live off the cash flow. So that's the cool thing about like, if you just give cash, it's cash. But if you give a property that has debt or free and clear or whatever, that does, you know, Obviously, we're in, we're filming this in COVID. It's still paying cash through COVID. And I think that's such a cool way to kind of teach your kids financial responsibility because, for one, if they see you, if they witness you investing in real estate and getting cash flow, for one, they're picking up on some of that behavior and hopefully starting to shift their thinking that way. Um, and then, two, even when you die, essentially, and you pass this on to your kids – it's like you continue to teach them this lesson of financial responsibility. So it is like you're there parenting them even when you're gone. But I like that just because it is so easy for, I think, when you're young. Like I think about it when I was in my 20s. If someone had just given me a bunch of cash, even the money that I made, it was like I was focusing on all the wrong things because I didn't have that experience yet. So it's it's – you could have the most financially responsible children, but at least you can pass them on something that is going to be cash flow. And it's sort of something for them to work on and kind of like learn strategies and maneuvers of how to increase cash flow and things. So I think it's a good education in addition to a good cash flow vehicle. Yeah. I mean, look, we know so many people. It's crazy. Like the amount of people we get to meet, which is awesome, is like they didn't even earn this thing. Somebody died, they get past all this property, and some of them inherit a lot. Like We've heard some crazy stories, a lot of money, a lot of property, and it completely changes their life. It does, and let's be honest. Some of these people don't even have to make the smartest decisions. I mean, we've seen it, unfortunately. It's like you see people who inherit properties, and they just maybe didn't take care of their credit so much, or they're like trying to pull cash out with the properties, or maybe they kind of like are making some not-so-great decisions, but they're not totally killing themselves. It's almost hard to fail with apartments. You can make some sloppy mistakes, and you can lose some money and still – have a really good cash flow position. You can only borrow so much. So it's it's difficult for you to like over leverage yourself on apartments. So that's really good. You have to have a certain level of cash flow. Um, it's it's hard to really lose that. So it's 
it's really a good way to guarantee that your children and maybe even their children's children have something to fall back on like a nest egg. So, yeah. And then look, I think just knowing why you're buying, um, is just important. So that's kind of some of the things that we hear. I mean, and then the next thing is, is like, you know, what's your goals, right? But it's like, what's your goals or what's your plan? And the thing is, if you don't have that, so I think is once you start buying, once you kind of get into the game, as we call it, the cash flow game, um, once you start buying, there is something that there is an addiction to it because there is reward, right? Sometimes there's instant reward. You bought a great deal, rehabbed it, got a nice return with rents, and then you could sell it or trade up or something or take cash out, buy another one. Um, but, you know, when you wake up every morning, when I say plan and game plan, it's not just like, oh, what kind of strategy are you going to buy the real estate? I'm talking like you wake up, you're going to work, you're busting your ass. It's, you know, if you're making great money, you know there's a per certain percentage of it that's going here and there. It's like Kevin Hart was um, interviewed uh, on stage by Grant Cardone, the 10X. It was pretty cool, and Kevin just said, um, it's pretty simple. Like, he's like, I take my money, I get my money, and I just split it in half. 50% over here goes to taxes, like, like gone. Then I got another 50%. And I'm sure the other 50% is still a large number. He goes, then I take 25% of the 50% and I put it over here and that's what I buy, real estate, whatever. And I heavily invest. Then I take the other 25% and basically that's what affords my lifestyle because I'm sure it's expensive, you know, running his lifestyle and stuff with all the stuff. And that's how he lives. Yeah, I, I think though too, it's like important to say that even with your strategy, you could have this strategy, like he said, like I take 50% of my income and it goes to taxes and I take 25% and I invest in real estate and then the other 25 is for me to live and play with my family. When you say get in the cash flow game, I think one thing that you, people really need to understand is there's so much strategy to it and there's so many different caveats. Like, for example, I'm sure Grant probably is already in Kevin Hart's ear about this. Like, well, if you're buying so much real estate, then why are you paying still so much in tax? Oh, that's like, next. Right. So there is, even whenever you master this game of, you know, buying apartments and buying real estate, there's this other piece over here which is the tax game that you can play because now you are providing housing for people and you're giving you're, you're benefiting the economy therefore you're going to get rewarded through tax savings and how can you maximize that because there's a lot of other strategies there so if you are a person that has a high income and you're paying taxes on that it, you really should consider investing in real estate as even just a tax strategy it's because we have clients that are attorneys and doctors and things like that people who make a lot of money and their their goal is like what is your goal of real estate you've got to ask yourself that question do I want cash flow do I want you know how much cash flow do I want um, is it even cash flow maybe it is just a tax strategy there's all these questions to kind I of think determine eventually it's always cash flow but in the beginning it might be like but maybe just you don't buy 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 and then just exactly have right until strategy. you retire and then you know I don't know if you guys ever heard of this person I'm going to mention but they don't pay taxes and they're actually your current president and his name is Donald Trump so if you haven't heard of him he doesn't pay taxes and it, well I mean he's been ripped apart for that yeah. And then uh, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, his family, doesn't pay taxes. And then they brag about it, and people get pissed off, but all they're doing is following the law. And every one of you that's pissed off doesn't pay taxes has to understand this. They do pay taxes. We're talking like state and federal. Like right. Grant Cardone said, he pays – I think he pays $40 million a year in property taxes. Yeah. He pays – 
payroll, know, payroll tax to his employee. So yeah. everybody has this thing. It's like, you don't pay taxes. You're a terrible person. I'm like, no, 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 no. A billionaire, if doesn't pay taxes, oh, trust me, he's paying a shit ton of taxes somewhere else, you know, like on properties. Like you take a guy that has a billion dollars worth of real estate, he's paying taxes. He's paying in like all this stuff. So, right, But we're talking about like income tax. Yeah, so what I'm saying is, is, is it, it's like, that's the thing is, is like real estate is what's the plan. But I think once you realize that, oh, I can build this thing like Crystal said, and then I realize there's a tax strategy. But, you know, the first thing is to start is just get in the damn game and buy it and buy a building, you know, buy a, buy a property, buy a building. Going through the whole routine of that, because then once you do that, then your conversation with your CPA, your wife, your friends, whatever is different. Because right now you're only talking about, I really wish I could buy a deal. Wow, this would be a great deal. Blah, 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 blah. Well, once you buy a deal, you're not going to talk about buying your first deal, right, Crystal? So that, that's the thing. is That's why we always say get in the game because the conversation would be different. Right. So I think when you, though, talk about your goals, you just have to think about what is your goal for now um, and then your future goals. So I always say, are, do you think you're going to hold this property for a long time? Do you think you might want to sell it soon? Are you looking for cash flow today? Are you looking for cash flow? You know, maybe you don't want cash flow today, but you need it 10 years from now. What are your goals? And back so into them, though. It will back into it. So, for example, if cash flow really isn't your goal, then you're probably looking for more like luxury or maybe higher-end properties um, or at least properties that had been completely renovated and are, are turnkey ready to go. So if you're not looking for much cash flow, you're like, okay, I, I have a full-time business. I'm very busy. I don't have time to think about this stuff. Okay, so go buy a building that's done and ready to go, and you get your tax savings. And when you're ready to retire, you're going to be getting pretty good cash flow, too. Um, or if your cash flow is now, then you're probably looking at higher cap rate deals, which means that you are going to buy in more probably like a C neighborhood, for example. Um, workforce, workhouse force. More, more workforce housing. Workforce housing. I screwed that up. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So, yes, that's what you're going to be looking for if cash flow is your goal. If you're looking for value add and you want – or maybe you want to grow your portfolio faster, you probably do need to look for value add. You're not going to want to look for those properties that are already done and ready to go. Like you need something that you can add some value you to. You could if you're raising money like Grant does. I mean Grant buys Well, we're not stuff. talking about syndicating Yeah, right now. no, you're talking about your first deal. We're yeah. talking about your first deal. So I think you know those are the kinds of things you want to think about so you can back into certain strategies – like that yeah for example like if you have a number like i would like to make ten thousand dollars a month of cash flow you just have to basically back into that and that's like analyzing deals what's this going to make what's that i mean that's you know i could probably tell you if you want 10 grand a month you're probably looking at you know depending on where you buy anywhere from probably 30 to 60 units depending on where you buy how much you bought it for what kind of debt you have it and stuff like that if it's free and clear it could be eight units <laughs> Yeah, and I mean that kind of goes back into the financing discussion though too cuz like you said if you if let's just take that example of saying I want $10,000 a month in cash flow um 30 to 60 units. I mean the biggest difference that will get you from, you know, $10,000 of cash flow on 30 units or $5,000 of cash flow on 30 units is getting an interest only loan. Yeah. So if you get interest only financing on a 30 unit building, let's say, you're probably getting like 10 to 12,000 a month in cash flow. If you get a PI loan, full principal and interest payments, it's seven grand or something. I don't know. Then you're like six or seven grand a month. So those are the kinds of things you want to think about too. Like you've got to think about it the whole way through and kind of look at your possibilities and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah. So, 
Let's see. The next thing is, is just remember too, guys, real estate. Um, if you're looking to buy your first deal, you're in it. And this is like kind of the, the message for you is real estate is just a long, it's more long-term, you know, this isn't a get rich, quick scheme. I love that. You like that? Yay, yes. You said it. There's a reason why we're clapping. <laughs> we're not going to tell you here, but, um, I think real estate's just long-term. And so I think a lot of people like, you know, getting calls, should I buy now? But what if the market goes down? What is this? It's like literally people sit here and Crystal will tell you and they just overanalyze things. It's like, look, 20 years ago, somebody told somebody, yep, you shouldn't buy that. It's expensive. Yep. And guess what? That person, that person, that 20 years that bought all that stuff and the guy that didn't, I guarantee he's richer than, you know, a lot richer off than he was if he didn't buy them. So I can like, tell you, the person who probably told you those properties were too expensive probably barely owns anything, if at all, because they're always so worried that everything's too expensive. So in the end, at the end of the day, they could have bought that expensive property today and in 20 years had something to show for it. Or they could be in the position they're probably at now, which is they don't own anything and they live on a very fixed income and they don't get to do the things they want to do because they lived in fear about overpaying. Yeah, and I think and I think people have to understand, like I've been really listening to a lot of big syndicators and, um, you know, we had Grant on if you guys didn't listen to that. But it's just all these guys. It's like they know that in 10 years, apartments are going to be worth so much more. And why? Because we're turning more into a renter's nation because nobody really cares about literally a lot of people don't care about or owning they can't. home. They want to be flexible. Um, or they come to San Diego and San Diego, it's expensive to enter the market, you know, here to buy. Um, and then managing a house and operating and keeping up with it costs money unless you just want a shithole. And um, that's what I dream of. Yeah, and but the, but the other thing too is is you gotta just look at the fundamentals like um, our dollar's strong now, eventually it's gonna go weak, right? If we have inflation, it's good for owning properties. Rents are going to go up over time. They just will because more and more people are getting born, especially right now in COVID. I bet you there will be a lot of baby making um, and a lot of babies. And so I think you have new people. Not in this house, though. Just putting yeah, that we're out done. there. We're done. <laughs> but no, I just so you, ha you have to like study the fundamentals. And look, over time, if you look at people that own real estate, take $10 million, put it in a bank account in 2008 in a bank account. And now you move it fast forward at 12 years. Take $10 million and have it spread out between two different, three different apartment buildings and what is it worth now? It's worth a hell of a lot more than money sitting in bank. It's probably worth a hell of a lot more than money sitting in a stock market or anything else. And on top of that, you got paid every month on the way. Yes. So you're, you, you, you just didn't increase from, okay, let's say you went $10 million, you gained a million dollars, which I don't even think you did. So now you have $11 million in cash. You didn't get paid. Uh, you, you get paid your interest. That's just what you got in interest. You didn't get paid every month. You're getting paid, and then your equity's going up. It's kind of, so long-term, it's just a no-brainer. You just have to have the strategy and understand that the bigger guys, that's how they do, That's why they always buy because they know long-term they're always going to win. Well, this is also something that I feel like people who don't quite understand how to invest um, tend to say is that when people tell you, you know, when I said, are you looking at real estate long-term or short-term, that is part of the question that you ask yourself. But when you say that real estate is a long-term game, that means that when you buy a property, just because let's say you think you might sell it in two, three, five years, 
you still need to look at it on the long term. So what happened when a lot of people got in trouble, which is why so many people live in fear, part of the reason at the very minimum is that they weren't looking at this as if I have to hold on to this property long term, what does this look like? I might not hang on to it, but you need to make sure that it is still a good investment 10 years from today. And in fact, it's going to be with multifamily, the thing that is so great is that it's going to be a better investment 10 years from now than it is today. I mean, that's just guaranteed at least in our market and major core markets where you're buying there the real estate's not just going to tank in such a way that 10 years from now it's not going to be a better investment so you definitely need to start looking at that we have i have just recently seen a, a handful of people who came to me that had credit issues from 2008 like the last recession where they said oh well i bought this property and you know, I ended up getting loan mods and that's why my credit's bad because I bought it and it was cash flow negative and I was planning on doing all these improvements and raising the income and it didn't end up working. So I've seen that aspect. So the thing is you can't just say I'm going to buy whatever and I'll figure it out. You need to actually do the homework, look at the numbers, make sure it's a good investment today and in the future. And then once you make that determination, then you can proceed with your strategy, whether it's to sell it in a couple of years or, you know, 10 years. But you also need to be confident in those numbers and stop second guessing yourself because that's part of the issue or thinking maybe there's a better deal out there. I see a lot of people say that. Is this the best deal? I'm like, you know, there's always a better deal. So and if you're new, you're probably not going to get the best deal because there's people that send mailers out. There's people that cold call every day. There's there's not people- even that. There's people who are already experienced oh. buyers that have really good relationships yeah. with other brokers that yeah. know exactly. th- that they perform. Exactly. Yeah. So you're not going to get the best deal on your first try. Yeah. I mean, you might get lucky, but the chances of that, I mean, I wouldn't hold out for finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Um, the other thing I didn't want to talk about is, you know, prices coming down and where are the opportunities? Prices coming down, um, you know, they could be a little bit. But uh, basically what everybody else is saying is the way things are going right now, a lot of people are not maybe going to – they're not seeing maybe we're going to have this great opportunity in multifamily. There's going to be deals. I so think there's been a little bit of softening because of the uncertainty in the market. And let's face it. If you're a person – if you're a seller today and you've got your apartment building listed for sale, um, you probably need to sell for a reason. And so you kind of know as a buyer you have that leg up. The problem is, is that sellers haven't yet realized that. Sellers are kind of saying like, well, yeah, sure, I need to sell for X, Y, and Z reason, but I'm not going to sell it for any less because my rents have been pretty good. Like given everything that's happened, our rent collections have been pretty good. Like there's no reason for me to reduce my price. So what we're seeing is more like maybe a 10% concession-ish in price. Um, on the deals that are closing, and honestly, there haven't been a ton. Um, but the the sellers need to sell for a reason. The problem is that there is a disconnect. There's definitely a gap between what a buyer thinks uh, a property is worth and what a seller thinks is worth right now as well. Because you know it, it should be a benefit for the buyers, but the sellers are kind of like rent collections were good, and honestly, they're not wrong. So financing's a little tougher, you know, things like that. So inventory is definitely low um even for apartments and that's partially because the sellers who don't have to sell right now are like i'll just wait i mean i don't need to go through all this red tape so um there are deals out there to be had and buyers can buy and it's a good time to buy but there's not a ton of inventory out there yes i think where are the opportunities they might not be as much in multifamily um residential we'll have to see if a lot of people do foreclose or they end up foreclosing we just don't know yet you know it's too early i'm sure there will be a spike in foreclosures or short sales or whatever, because that's just going to happen, you know? Um, 
the other thing is obviously it's going to be interesting to see where retail and um, kind of like commercial office turn up. But uh, a lot of the only thing, not the only thing, but one thing that I'm hearing where a lot of uh, opportunity is right now is people that bought vacation rentals that uh, like overpaid, over leveraged, also bought them in kind of like when I say funky areas, I mean areas that are really like targeted. Like I'm in Arizona and I bought five homes and I work and I bank on spring training coming. Guess what? Spring training come. But I have five houses with five mortgages and I and I I live off of that money. I don't have another job. That is my 100% income. So my income went to zero, and I still, okay, let's say I'm not paying my mortgages or anything. It still costs some kind of money, right? You have taxes and stuff. Like, it, it's, a, it's a mess. So now your spring crane, you're going to come back next year. How long can you furlough for? Are they going to let you furlough for a year? I mean, it's a mess. So I'm hearing the companies that went out and raised capital that came to you and you have a nice house in the Hoya said, Hey, Crystal, I'm going to give you $200,000 right here a year and I'm going to rent your house in La Jolla and I'm going to take it over. And I'm going to do a vacation and I'm going to make, you know, 300,000 or 400,000. They are having problems that did this in our area. So what's happening, those companies are not, they raise money, the returns are shit. They basically paid, some of them paid you money up front. Some will give you 200 grand up front. Some are like, here, here's like 500 grand. I'm going to rent it for, they gave you the money. They're not getting the money in. So they're actually, there's consolidation going on in that industry where the bigger guys are swallowing up the other ones. So that's a problem. So I'm hearing vacation rentals in certain areas where people buy them. Like Crystal said, they bought it with this thing like this, oh, hopefully this happens or this or that, and they might not have any money or anything. They're, they're like fire selling or getting rid of. So there could be some opportunities there. I don't know. I don't know if you, do you think there's going to be opportunities here for uh, apartments? I don't, I just, I don't, I'm not seeing it, but I could be wrong. Um, I think there's always opportunity. Uh, I, I don't think, I, I think people are thinking, oh, there's going to be this like 20, 30. So there's not going to be this massive opportunity. I don't think, but I can tell you where I think the opportunities will be. Ooh. Um, I think, uh, first off, I want to say, I think a lot of the value add, like buy and rehab kind of thing is oh, a little I bit, see. I think I know where she's going. It's a little bit played out. Like I think, you know, you could buy and fix up a building, but honestly, I think even tenants or like renters are going out looking at the same old stuff that everybody's doing the same thing to, uh, with rehabs. And I think a lot of buyers out there are kind of like, okay, it's the same old lipstick, you know, that we've been doing. So I think that's played out. I don't think you should rely on it too much. Um, but there are still opportunities to increase income in different places in different buildings. And, and where I think the potential is, at least in California, and a lot of people have already jumped Here on this bandwagon. <laughs> it's three letters. ADUs. So it's really, honestly, funny to me how many people say, what is an ADU? Uh, it's an accessory dwelling unit. It's basically like adding a granny flat to you know your home. But now, as, as of January, you can add it to your multifamily building. And, and in some cases, it can be explored adding multiple ADUs. So I think this is the next boom because... We had a webinar on it, just to interrupt. We had a yeah. webinar on it. And if you didn't watch it, you should. And a lot of people that watched it are already reached out to this uh, Chris 
and there we got feedback but a lot of people can help a lot of people like the laws change and they like got rid of fees it's crazy like you got to jump on it and we'll do the same thing i mean we're going to look at adding adus on our properties and things too because you don't have to jump through as much as many hoops as adding a unit there you don't have to adhere to as many guidelines um, as you would adding an actual unit however on multifamily at least five plus units if you add adus the majority of lenders are going to count that income towards qualifying and uh which it correlates to value. So if you have additional room in your building, like let's say you have a storage room or an office or a clubhouse or any sort of space that's already existing, you can essentially go and get plans and permits and add an ADU for like less than a hundred grand easy, sometimes maybe 25 or 50,000. Um, and let's say the average apartment building in San Diego is selling between like two and like 350 a door. You just added two to 350 maybe 200,000 to as much as like 350,000 in value to your property that's wild yeah and some people some some people have just are buying property that have unpermitted units you don't have to do much it's just you do the paperwork and that and make a couple of repairs it's done it's legal so I think that's the next boom I think a lot of people should be more looking at apartment buildings and seeing where they can add ADUs and the shocking part is, is I don't really think many people are doing that right now but that would be the first thing I would do when I'm looking at apartment buildings to buy. And when we are in the market to buy soon, I'll be doing that as well. Like, let's look where we can add an ADU or three. Yeah. You know, like, or convert. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's the next thing. I mean, that's pretty exciting to me that we can add that kind of value onto a building and get credit for it now and add, you know, basically. And there you have it. Crystal just did value add. Value add, man. Okay. Yep. So, everybody, thanks for listening. I think uh, hopefully that gives you a couple little nuggets on why you're buying and your goal setting and your plan and your strategy will change over time. I mean, I usually it does for people, but, um, you know, but write your shit down, have goals, know what you're going to do, and then um, execute on them. That's important. But, you know, the first thing, like we always say, is you got to get in the damn game. You got to buy something. If not, you're just, you're just a spe spectator. Get in the game and figure out how to add ADUs. That's it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.